Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, welcome to the program. Happy Friday. Great to be with you, Dr. Paul. Very good. And we're ready and raring to go to address all the problems of the world mm -hmm. and give them a simple answer to it. Of course, the problem is due to tyranny. The answer to it is liberty. And there's a lot in between that we have to work out in the, mm -hmm. in the details. But that's basically it. I think that's the way the world's worked for a long time. People, people who want to use, uh, you know, tyrannical approaches and force to have it their way and believing they have the right answers to everything. And uh, others, uh, others are saying, well, you, you can't, so we'll just steal as much as we can get. We have a few of those in Washington right now. They've decided the stealing part is easy unless you get caught. So, mm -hmm. and a few people are getting caught, and I think that has to be seen as a, as a positive. But you know, uh, watching the markets has always fascinated me. Uh, I've never was one, and I've mentioned that many times on the air. I was, I, I, I'm not one that buys and sells a lot, even though I watch gold markets and I've watched gold for many, many years since it was uh, unhinged from the dollar back in 1971. Uh, I don't buy, buy and sell and go back and forth. It's to me a long time, long term purchase and, and you know protection. Back in '71, it was $35 an ounce, and, and now even though it's backed off a little bit from uh, 2000, it's uh, it has a st steady movement. So I don't do that. I don't uh, buy and, and, and sell. People do. Sometimes they make a lot of money and sometimes they, they lose a lot of money. But uh, right now, the real excitement in, in the business news today is talking about Apple. Uh, Apple sounds like a very good company. They've made a lot of money. A lot of people use it. Uh, I don't know how much they're, they're in bed with the government, but how can you have any business these days without it being in bed to a degree uh, with the government? But today was historic because Apple's uh, stock value went up over $3 trillion. There are some countries in the world that doesn't have that much money. So, But anyway, uh, who, who cares if they earn the money honestly and they get rich by providing a an item or a service that the people want and they voluntarily buy it. That's okay. And, you know, people, people, you know, get a little jealous of people who are very wealthy. I keep thinking, you know, why be, why be jealous of somebody that started uh, Apple and has a lot of money? What, what are they going to do with it? Whether they have one trillion, two trillion or three trillion, oh, that's a burden. What are they going to do with their money? They just can't buying, keep buying yachts. So their obligation is to put it where it might help somebody and that is invest and get jobs. Well, that's how the market uh, market should work. But Apple is fascinating because, uh, you know, the traditional way of looking at some of these some stocks would be to look at a PE ratio. And I sort of was uh, uh, attuned to that for a long time and people still do. But sometimes it doesn't mean anything because the PE ratio uh, for Apple's uh, over 30 uh, over 30 to 1. So that I think is sort of high, uh, but uh, there's a lot of promises in Apple. You know, they have things coming down the line. As long as the credit markets work and there's no real crash in the economy, uh, they'll, they'll probably do fine. But uh, their, their dividends, uh, sometimes you buy to have cash flow and have dividends. Well, uh, in the last quarter, they paid 0.25%. So you wouldn't buy that now, you know, for dividends. 
But for the future, that's uh, per, people's uh, have to evaluate it and make a decision. But for some reason, that seems to be uh, uh, there, there's a lot of questions left uh, about Apple. Where where will it be? Well, it depends a lot on what happens to the government, what the, how the government does, and they can make rules and regulations and taxing policy. So ultimately, there's uh, there's uh, uh, you know conditions that you can't foresee completely. But the market right now says that uh, Apple's Apple's a good company, and maybe it's this artificial intelligence that's uh, you know such a wonderful thing. So that that is important. But we rely on this program a lot to try to sort it out and be a, play it a little safer and look long term. And that is have to give consideration to gold because uh, you know uh, even though I never speculated in a sense buying it, holding it, and trying to protect against what I saw coming way back was too much spending, too much debt, too much government, that gold would raise its head and uh, be beneficial. And it did, and it's sort of, uh, you know, meandering right now, but I still feel exactly the way I did in 1971. Uh, you know, if in a few years from now, if gold has doubled, that won't surprise me, but I don't predict that will happen. But this is one of the reasons I partner with uh, Birch Gold Group is because they're in the gold business. They know more of the details about what's coming and going and how to do it and how to, uh, you know, maybe shift some of your investments to gold. And that is, uh, uh, you know, beneficial to think in, in those terms. So this is the reason I do uh, partner with them. And they have uh, offered a, 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 a some advice and some material that you can get. Because if you text Ron at 989898, they'll send you some of this material, material that may well be helpful to you and uh, give you more information helping make decisions. So this is what we do in partnership with them is to try to get people to at least look at it and study it. Because I think long term, even though I say gold, uh, you know, served me well in preserving a base of my wealth and, and energy, that that it's going to it's it's not going to quit you know it's going to continue i mean the deficits and everything are exploding and the world's involved it's so much more dangerous now than it was in 1971 so this is the reason that we work with uh, birch gold so once again if you're interested in getting some free information from birch gold text ron 98 9898 and they'll send you materials it's free and uh, they will explain many many things for you and uh, this this you can do anytime and they'll send it to you I'm sure it'll be of some benefit to you and now uh, Chris I want to go into talking a little bit more about uh, some of the other economic things going on one thing that's always fascinated me is subjective uh, the, the subjective belief of value uh, the, the theory about value uh, there for tradition and even Adam Smith accepted the idea well it, it was the uh, uh, it was the work how much work went into an item determined the value of it well, it turns out that, uh, you know, I, the, when people argue or ask me what that means, I say, well, you know, I could work for 20 years on a drawing and a picture and I could put in 10,000 hours, but it'd still be worth less than a dollar. I wouldn't be as good as uh, Biden, <laughs> you know, Hunter Biden. He, he made a lot of money on his picture. So, but anyway, the, uh, by the uh, whole, whole thing is, 
is there's a lot of unpredictable events. There are unintended consequences. There's too much mischief. And the main reason is that governments and Federal Reserve Boards and regulators, they don't know the answers to try to substitute it for the marketplace. That's what they're trying to do. They're pretending, I think I heard the announcement today, well, instead of going 0.5 or 0.75, we're gonna go 0.25. You know, we have to just sort of, you know, address concerns. And so it's up and down and over and back as if they're really, uh, you know, doing something important. But everybody has to watch it because the psychological effect of that is very important. And that's why we have to look at all these items that are, we'll talk about a couple of them that are just, you know, making a point that governments cause more problems than they solve. And unfortunately, as they figure out some of the unintended consequences and some of the well-expected consequences of inflating the currency, uh, it, it is uh, something that people, they respond to it and make when the government responds to the noise that the people are making, the government makes things worse because the special interests start to, uh, you, you know, uh, speak louder and louder. And that's why the system of interventionism, whether it's interventionism in our lives, the government tells how we should live, or interventionism in the affairs of foreign nations, and that hasn't worked out so well for us or intervention in the economy, uh, especially bad because the marketplace is pretty smart. It's, it, it's rough, it's rough and tumble, but usually the market wins out after a lot of pain and suffering occurs and usually wipes out a lot of people say, hey, we better think, what do we want? Maybe we ought to consider those crazy ideas of sound money once again. Chris? Very good, Dr. Paul. Yes, today we're focusing on uh, CBDCs, which are central bank digital currencies. Yet another utopian scheme. But, uh, you know, as our founders warned at the very beginning, you must be vigilant if you cherish your freedom because authoritarians will always have a new scheme coming at you one after another. You know, some are bigger than others. We just went through a big one that failed, those vaccine passports where the idea was that we were all going to be constantly jabbed every so few months and then have to prove with our phones that we were jabbed in order to participate in society. And they were trying this in New York City, in Philadelphia. I remember the, all the propaganda, that it was as if you were recharging your phone uh, battery, you know, every time you got jabbed. And, you know, that was a bad deal, even those for those people who believed in the vaccines, you know, because maybe the fifth one would get you real hard where you were like Elon Musk and you thought you were going to die. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't matter. You'd still have to get the sixth, the seventh, no matter, you know, how many. Fortunately, that whole thing fell apart. And CBDCs fall into that category because it's very similar. It's just with our money. You would have a centralized account with a central bank, no cash. And, uh, you know, you could already imagine, and I'm sure the tyrants have already imagined what they would love to do. You know, if you're not into the latest social fad, perhaps they would freeze your account. Or uh, let's say they wanted to bail out a crony corporation, let's say a Bud Light or a Target, they do something stupid and they, they lose tons of money, well, they could bail them out and you, you log into your digital account and find out you have less money. You know, the money went to bail out the crony corporations. They could also set time limits and say you have to spend this amount of money by a certain date. 
you know, they to get you to spend money and and hard, and prohibit you from saving money. The tyrannical things that could be done are endless. These are just a few. So you could see why they would want this. But uh, like vaccine passports, I don't believe the A that it's doable, and I don't believe that it's going to happen because black markets would form immediately. People would start to use their own currencies, barter. They would get around it in many, many ways. Very good. I'm going to talk a little bit about one incident that just has been written up recently. It has to do with uh, the wine and uh, uh, alcoholic beverage uh, issue. And, and this, this is really written in uh, looking at what's happening in Europe where they do make a lot of wine. And, and they're having a lot of trouble. The uh, headline on this on Hedge was Europe drowns in wine as EU adopts crisis measures to rescue producers. See, they're drowning in it. And, uh, and then the, the decision must be, oh, they don't have enough regulations. That's the reason they're doing this. You know, they won't say, well, maybe the craziness of COVID changed people's patterns and habits, and maybe that contributed to it. Maybe it's the monetary system that contributes to it. It may be, you know, the market is not working smoothly because all commodities go up and down, you know, supply and demand, and the people and the consumers decide what should be done. The consumers are king in a market like that, but not when you have government interference. So this, this market got into trouble and in trouble. So once again, they say, what we need to do is we need to smooth these markets out and, and take care of it. And unfortunately, uh, that uh, doesn't work. Usually it makes it worse. Uh, Mises argued that when you go in to try to fix a problem that the government caused, they'll create two new ones. But that keeps the bureaucrats happy. Oh, we still have a job to Mars. Hire more bureaucrats, spend more money, have more debt. Oh, but I thought that was the problem. Oh, no, that's not the problem. We just need a lot more people in the government that are smarter to know how to iron these problems out. But the European Union, uh, the ones that are promoting these regulations, and the Commission has adopted temporary market measures to avoid that the unsold wine weighs on the whole internal market and prevents producers to find uh, sufficient storage capacity. All this mischief, and, and they do this so, so seriously. And but it, they, this is just very minor compared to, of course, if you're in the wine business, it's major. But it's minor compared, you know, to the very, very big picture that goes on when economies collapse. Because if we continue at this rate, uh, people laugh, and I, I don't want to believe it. But could we ever get to the point anything close to what happens in runaway inflation, like in Venezuela? and uh, Zimbabwe. Uh, Germany did at one time, but we're on the road to it. And the reason why I fear it is it's different than ever before. There's never been so much control uh, for a significant long period of time where the whole world uh, was uh, distorted by a reserve currency that was totally, totally fiat and printed by the government and the country that has the biggest empire, the biggest army, the most wealth, and they feel like there's no limit, even though the, the voices are getting louder and louder trying to warn. But still, I mean, even since the, you know, the, the, uh, the, debt res uh, uh, the debt resolution, you know, just recently in Congress, we'll, we'll take two and we'll raise the debt limit and we'll cut down some spending. I think the debt went up, has gone up $700 billion just since they had that resolution. So 
it really is a joke. And it's not going to be a joke, though, when the consequence comes. So that's why people have to consider it. Ultimately, uh, you know, <clears throat> I look at a big picture and it doesn't result because even the United States has gone through periods like this. They have to resort to some type of soundness returning to them to the monetary system. Of course, the best thing is uh, advancing a little bit further than we've ever been to a free market system where people make the decisions. You know, people, uh, the, the left and the, the big government people preach and, stuff and say everything is democracy, democracy, democracy. The Constitution doesn't teach that. Democracy, the true democracy I like is everybody has a vote every day. Every time they spend money, they have a vote on where the money's going to be spent. And even in this craziness with, you know, both lockdown and also the, uh, uh, the, the people, the, the, the things like Budweiser, people are voting. They're voting with their money. That's probably what represents true democracy compared to the managed democracy that they talk about where they just get enough people, enough special interests together to become a, a king of the mob. And then they take over the government. I'm afraid that's where we are today. Yes. And, you know, people that have a lust for power, they want it all. And, uh, you know, going back to the global CBDC, you know, scheme, uh, I don't know if many people realize this, but the goal of that, uh, you know, for the globalists would be to abolish commercial banking like JP Morgan, Bank of America. I mean, after all, it's each individual would have an account at the central bank. It's a central bank digital currency, not a commercial bank digital currency. So it, that's this drive to have only central banks led by a global central bank. And, uh, you know, people with power, like a JP Morgan, may not be on board with something like this. Uh, even the Fed, the Fed has the global reserve currency. Do they just want to be another central bank, you know, that's controlled by a bigger one? You know, not everyone, we're told, and George Carlin, I think, had it wrong, that it's one big club and we're not in it. And that's just not true. That's not how power works. Power, there are power centers, people with power here, people with power there. They like their own territories, but, you know, they don't want anybody else having their power. So that's why they clash, and that's why we see these, you know, wars. They tell us what they're about. They're not about whatever they tell us. You know, it's these big power centers that clash with one another. It's not one big club, and we're not in it. Uh, the key is to get, you know, whittle down that power. That's what our founders tried to do. But, you know, that drive for more and more power is very strong, and, you know, you could see that their constitution didn't work out so well. So, uh, you know, so the global CBDCs are by far not a given because there are a lot of people that uh, just will not uh, be on board with it. You know, I brought up the subject of the debt that keeps going up and it has to be resolved. They, they claim that uh, they, they can do this and help people out just by debasing the currency and then you pay off with cheaper money. And that is true. The, the real debt goes down if they double the money supply, the value of the dollar goes down. But there's a price to pay and, and that's what they don't want to listen to. And they try to keep up. People know that uh, when you inflate the currency and prices go up, middle class people and the working class people, uh, you know, really are hurt from this. So wh what do they do? They, uh, you know, uh, they get together, they go on strike and they fight 
right? And they say, well, we have to be taken care of too, because in a way they're not, uh, they're not responsible. It's the big uh, beneficiaries that are really responsible for inflating the currency. But when, when, they, when they do that and they say that, uh, uh, that, that, that there's inflation, and they raise, and then they go ahead and raise minimum wage laws and wages go up. But there's statistics now out for the last two years, and they don't keep up. You know, if there's an inflation rate of 10% and you get a 5% raise in your, in your wages, and those numbers sound wild, but nobody really reports the real numbers because it's much lower and doesn't sound so bad. But the principle is there. If the if the costs are going up 10 percent and your wages go up 5 percent, you can't you can't let the politicians get away. Well, we live in a healthy economy. Your wages are up 5 percent this year. This is wonderful. You know, yeah, but my costs are up 10 percent. And that is why you can't trust government's fig numbers, you know, the statistics. If it, if it has to do with employment statistics, everything, you know, I, I bet I could go through the record here the last several months, and I bet you I could find a lot, especially if it comes from uh, Main Street Media and the administration. Wow, this, this sounds pretty good. Not, things aren't that bad. Maybe we're overreacting. But that's, uh, that's their job, and some people, some people believe it. Other people are now at a point where they're questioning it more, and that is why it's very healthy when you read a report and said, well, 68% of the American people are asking questions about what the government just told us, and uh, they're asking questions more so now than they used to be. They're asking more questions now. Why are we worrying about the borders of Ukraine and not the, our southern borders? They're talking more about that now than the monstrous foreign policy of the uh, first decade uh, of, uh, of this century, where we were in the Middle East, destroying property lines and doing all this mess, uh, so, and millions of people dying over it. So that, that is so tragic. But here, you know, you know people, uh, people have to realize that uh, there, there are answers to this. There is this big spending, and it seems like it's unlimited, but the best thing to do is question. You have a right to question, even if they argue. You don't even have a right to say that. Just think of what they did to many people in the churches and the economists and the doctors who sometimes all they said, I want to debate the issue. I want to debate which drug is best for COVID. You know, COVID. And, uh, oh, cancel him. He's not, a lot of, he's not a lot of talk anymore. Fire him. And doctors losing jobs and professors getting kicked out. But it's starting to shift uh, because I think the most important thing that we maintain if we ever expect to move the, uh, move the goalposts to our position is that we have to have the right to speak out because you have to uh, be, be able to discuss what we have and challenge them. But when they lock down and say, you can't even talk, and you'll be hearing about this, you wait and see if there's any candidates that won't be allowed to talk at all, or they'll exclude them, or they will avoid them, because truth really hurts uh, you know, when there's an empire that is totally dependent on lies. Chris. Excellent, Dr. Paul. I'll finish up with my closing thoughts. Yeah, uh, authoritarians do not want debate. Uh, whatever they say is settled. You know, uh, I saw yesterday the, the big Supreme Court, you know, uh, 
saying that you, universities no longer have to judge people by the color of their skin. You'd think that the left would be happy with that, but of course not. Uh, and I saw Elizabeth Warren. She said that this is outrageous. They're going back against settled law. And I thought, settled law? You know, this is, these are man-made laws. Just, it's, it reminded me of what they said about settled science. Science is never settled. And man-made laws are never settled, for sure. They're man-made. You know, the only settled laws are the truth, uh, natural law, and for those of us who are religious, we believe in higher laws. Those are settled. But anything that are made by governments, they're never settled. They're man-made. Another man will come in and, and overturn it, just like they just did yesterday. So, you know, but, you know, the authoritarian mindset is what they say is what it is, and that's how it's going to be forever. And it just doesn't turn out that way. Uh, you know, just because you can imagine some kind of utopian scheme does not mean that you can make it reality. Just because you could imagine vaccine passports or zero carbon or world government or CBDCs, what we're talking about today, you know, life is very complex. Everyone reacts in their own way when government does something. You could picture it like a, a billiards game, you know, at the very beginning where you break the rack of balls. They all scatter. You can't, you can't control how each ball is going to go, whether it's going to go into the pocket or not. Well, that's how it is with government laws. They imagine things in their mind, they put, make a law, and then all of humanity scatters in their own way to adjust to it, to adapt to it, to get around it, and the whole scheme falls apart. And we just keep repeating this over and over. And, you know, we could avoid a lot of this if we just embrace the ideas of liberty and voluntarism and not have to go through all these schemes one after another. But, you know, it takes a lot of work, a lot of education, a lot of speaking, like what Dr. Paul said, to get these ideas out so that we could at least nudge humanity in the right direction. Very, very good, Chris. I'm going to close with a comment about an organization and a company that is uh, not one of my favorites, but it's very, very wealthy and controls a lot of wealth. And that's BlackRock, uh, run by Larry Fink. And uh, at times, and he may still be the top holder and management of funds, over $10 trillion has been reported. But uh, that was one thing to have a management company of wealth, if it was a little bit uh, in the directions of freedom and market economy. But he uh, notoriously has been strongly associated with the radical left and environmentalism. Uh, so he, uh, he was a champion of ESG, you know, that investment should be based on the environment, it should be based on social order and social benefits and fairness, and it has to be uh, regulated governmental needs so it's ESG and this was a way of uh, putting pressure on some companies that if you uh, want to invest and get in here and be on the side who has access to credit uh, th th you have to uh, support these uh, in radical environmental uh, issues so he he did quite well except recently People have caught on. Now, when I first heard of this two or three years ago, I thought, it can't work. It's, it's going to fail because they're investing money for the wrong reason. Yeah, and you say, well, don't you care about the environment? Don't you care, you, you, you know, about social order? And don't you care? Well, 
they want you to say, well, if you don't go with us, you don't. You're a bunch of hoodlums. You don't care about this. But you know what? If you come up with these groups and say, well, this is what we do. We look at our investment. This is a Larry Fink approach. We look at these investors to make sure they follow these wars, a, B, uh, the, the, these rules, A, B, C, D. And uh, then they'll be safe. And that's how we can control the, control the world. But people caught on to it and they disliked it and they're fighting back and some people are withdrawing their funds. And now uh, I doubt very much if Larry Fink has changed his tune, but he has changed his words. He does not like the term ESG anymore. So he's going to pretend, oh, I'm, I'm more moderate now and I'm more reasonable. Well, I'll tell you what, he is a strong believer in that nonsense, but he's also a strong believer in making a lot of money but not in the free enterprise system and the hard money system at all it's in it's in a managed system and he's in a good place to to be part of that but that won't last because uh, uh, th things change and that system will fail you know when the calamity comes and the market crashes these companies are going to fade away and the weakest companies are going to be the ones that have to follow some of these crazy rules before they can invest in a company or and, and get punished otherwise you know so th this is the, this is the market working so I, I imagine a lot of people say who cares whether he uses the word ESG and puts a little pressure on uh, these companies to straighten up their act and, and be concerned about the environment but you know some of the things that they suggest should be done in the, in the, in the environment, in the social order and how government should act. Uh, there's some of those things that sound, well, that sounds reasonable. And they may be a goal for somebody. But why can't it be a goal in a free market? Why can't it be individual? But to set it up as an authoritarian group and rule the world this way, you follow these rules, you follow the, all the rules of COVID or you're gonna be banned, that sort of thing. But the goals, they should be distinguished from how they're trying to be achieved. Because quite frankly, if you have two groups, one that's government authority wants to do the right thing about the environment versus another group that's in the free market and they happen to believe in private property and uh, they believe that, that the environment should be protected. And uh, there, there's a quite a bit difference. And that's the reason a little bit of success here. So Larry Fink, if you care about what we're talking about, we say not only should you change your uh, not using the word ESG, change your policies as well. I wanna thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.